Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. So, we've, we've been on a journey in terms of dealing with anger, in terms of dealing with shame, and in terms of dealing with all sorts of frustrations. Last week I spoke on challenges and embracing challenges when, when they're good. And I, I encouraged everyone, how many of you are asking for a challenging year next year? Okay. <laughs> and what I mean by that is a year of growth. I mean that you will be challenged to grow. And we're not just going to go into next year hoping that, that we just slide on ice all the way because then we don't grow. How many of you want to be stronger, fitter next year? All right. Anyone in, you know, how many of you want to be wealthier? How many of you want to be more, wis- more full of more wisdom? Full of more knowledge, more impact. Well, then there's got to be a challenge, and you've got to press into that challenge. Anyone who wants to be fitter, as Paul writes, he says, I, I strengthen my body for the race. The thing is, if you challenge yourself to, let's say you want to run a marathon, and you do the effort, and you do the hard work of pressing into the challenge, how many of you know your marathon is actually going to be easier? But if you run a marathon without training, without the challenge, how many of you know it will be disaster, failure? Okay. So what I walked away from last week was just the sense that God wants to invite, in, remind us of his favor. Because we don't press into a challenge without recognizing that God's favor rests upon us. A challenge without God's favor is just difficulty. A challenge without God's favor is just difficulty. Then it's just difficult. But if God's favor is on it, there will be fruit that comes out of of the challenge. And sometimes we have to press in for the favor. We have to say, God, I'm pressing in for that favor and I'm not going to let go of that favor. Because I'm not going to go through this challenge without your favor resting upon my life. One of my favorite books that I read a while back was written by Bob Goff, and um, he, he talks about when he became a law student, how when he applied for law, he was rejected at every university. He says some, some students were, did well, did really well, and then they, they get invited to come to the best schools, and to sweeten the deal, they get a scholarship. Then you get the average law student who just gets accepted, but he must still pay his way. And then you get those that didn't make the cut, and they get a letter that says, I'm sorry, you didn't make it. He didn't even get a letter that says, I'm sorry. (laughs) In fact, he says some of the law schools sent back his admissions money, probably feeling bad that he even sent it. So Bob Goff decided, he said, I am going to study at this university. And five days before lectures started, he went to see the dean of the university. And this is what he says. He walked into the office and he said, hi, I'm I'm Bob Goff, and I applied to get into your law school. 
I said I applied because I want to be a lawyer and, and I want to make a real difference in the world. The dean smiled politely, didn't say a word, and remained standing. Apparently this wasn't enough to convince him. There's a problem, however, you see. I, I didn't get an acceptance letter. For that matter, I didn't even get a rejection letter. I didn't get put on a waiting list either. But I want to get into your law school and graduate, or I can't become a lawyer someday. I thought I'd framed my situation pretty well. The dean shook my hand again as he said, this is a competitive program. And unfortunately, we have to turn down many qualified candidates. Mercifully, he skipped the part about me not being one of them. <laughs> it was nice to meet you, he said, still shaking my hand. Once he broke his grasp, he put his hand on my shoulder and started moving towards the door. His body language left nothing to be misinterpreted. I hope you have a nice day, he offered as he began to slowly close the door. I had the chance to say one last thing before the dean disappeared into his paneled office. So I stopped the closing door with my foot. And I said, you have the power to let me in. I know all you have to tell me is go buy your books. And I could be a student in the law school. It's that simple. You just need to say these words. He gave me half a grin, indicating that he thought it was a cute idea. But it wasn't going to happen. And then the door closed. I'm sure he thought he was finished with me. And he could go on with the important business of training the law students who actually had potential. He walked out of that office and he saw a bench outside of the dean's door. And he decided for the next five days straight, he's going to sit outside of the dean's office. And every time the dean walks out of his office, he's going to say, just tell me, Go buy your books. <laughs> when the dean first walked out, he thought, what's this guy doing here? He says, as the four, five days grew, you know, went on, he learned the dean's every schedule. He knew when he was going to the gym. He knew when he went for lunch. He knew when he went for meetings. And then university started. And the dean still had not said, go buy your books. He decided he was still going to get up every morning at 7 a.m. Or be at the dean's office every morning at 7 a.m. And when the dean came into the office on day one of lectures, he said, just tell me, go buy your books. The dean just shook his head and walked away. He did that for five days, starting to think about how he was already missing class, thinking about all the other students who were already getting into their schedules, getting into the, their routines. And then Bob says he thought about Jesus' words. He thought about Jesus, who had the power to say one word, and there would be healings. Who even said to Peter, just one word, come. And he walked on water. Or about the Roman soldier who 
who even though Jesus was going to his house already to heal his servant, said to Jesus, just say one word. And Bob realized that the right people have the power to change things with one word. On day five, halfway through the afternoon, the dean appeared when he wasn't supposed to, out of schedule, out of routine. The dean walked up to him, stood in front of him, towering above him, and said, go buy your books. (laughs) And he became a lawyer. That moment changed his life. That moment set everything for him. His whole story. He's got, he's got an incredible story. He's someone who just is so empowered by God's love and by God's favor. I couldn't help but think of the parable of the prodigal son while reading or thinking about the story and reading and thinking about God's favor. Because... We've all heard the parable of the prodigal son, but really there's two sons, and both of them represent two different things. The one is a son who didn't who who didn't want the responsibility of being on the farm, who didn't want the responsibility placed upon him of doing the right thing. So he said, Give me everything that is mine. You see, he he recognized there was favor on his life. He recognized that there was an inheritance. He recognized that his father would give him everything anyway. And he tapped into the favor of the father. But one thing he didn't want was the responsibility of being a son. The responsibility of being a co-owner of the farm. And so he ran away from all responsibility. He said, give me my inheritance so that I may enjoy it. And he took his inheritance and he ran away from responsibility. And we know how the story goes. In the end, he comes back without anything, having lost everything. But the favor of the father had not changed. Let me say that again. The favor of the father had not changed. In the same way, there are some people, maybe even sitting in this room, who've run away from the responsibility that God has given them. God has given us a full inheritance. He has given us everything we probably deserve and don't deserve. And some of us have run away from the responsibility that God has given us. But let me say this. The favor of the Father does not change. And at any time, you can come back, and we've shared this so many times, how through grace, you can come back and receive your inheritance again. You see, in the kingdom, your inheritance is not depleted. In the kingdom, your, your inheritance does not rot. But it stays the same, and you can come back and step into the inheritance, just like the parable of the prodigal son. But the second son, if... If the one son ran away from responsibility, the second son lived in resentment. And the one thing that blocked him from receiving the full favor of the father was resentment. 
And resentment is a little different to anger and shame. Resentment is always aimed at the person in authority. Resentment is always aimed at authority. Resentment is always aimed at someone who has power. It's always aimed up. And resentment is, is something where the son then, when, when, when the brother came home and, and the dad poured out his favor upon the brother, it says the second son refused to come to the party. He refused to be a part of the celebration. He was found working hard on the tractors in the tractor shed. <laughs> Changing the oil, just being busy, just being busy, just being busy, refusing to be a part of the celebration. Resentment is always an attempt to punish someone else for their perceived withholding of favor. But actually, resentment only punishes one person. And that's the person who has resentment. Resentment removes us from the favor of God. Resentment removes us from the favor that is already so freely available. It's one of the conditions that actually affects our body. Resentment, medical journals say resentment causes the ends of our nerves to, to stop working like they should. So many people live with chronic back pain, chronic neck pain, because of resentment, because of their withholding of self, withholding of celebration, because they don't want to be a part of the family, because they don't want to be a part of the party, I mean to say. It's one of the conditions that they say resentment then causes your body's ability to handle, um, it, it decreases your, uh, your body's ability to fight infection. And eventually it causes shortness of life. Resentment literally causes death when we hold on to it. Resentment literally shortens our lifespan. Because we don't, we aren't able to see the favor of the Father. And really what the second brother personified was the spirit of resentment. And so often people have resentment, yes, because they've been hurt. Yes, because love has been withheld. Yes, because someone has done something. But then we take it upon ourselves to punish. We take it upon ourselves to show that person just how we're going to, I can't act it out or, or what it is. But, but I think that paints a clear picture of the condition of the second brother. He was resenting his father. Not for doing something bad. He was resenting his father for pouring out love on his brother. Feelings of unworthiness. Feelings of, um, yeah. I want to say today that there is favor on the farm. There is favor on the farm. There is favor 
in the house. There is favor for each and every one of us. And it doesn't matter what you have been through. It doesn't matter what experience we have been through. We can always go back and rest in the favor of God. We can always go back and say, I want to be a part of the favor that you have for me, God. I want to be a part, I want to have a part of the favor that you're pouring out on our lives. Just like Bob Goff, he could have watched the door close and decided to resent the dean and decided to resent the university. And never mind the university, the entire legal fraternity. And he could have walked away from his destiny if he allowed resentment even to have a small root in his life, a small, a small root. He realized there is favor, and that favor rests upon that person's ability, that person of power to say four words, go buy your books. In the same way, we think that when things don't work out that as they should, we, we, we maybe become resentful of God. And we go, God, why didn't you work it out the way I thought it would? Why didn't you answer my prayer? And Jesus is saying, but you haven't even sat on the bench yet. You haven't even pressed in for my favor. You haven't even pressed in for the God-given vision that I've given you. Don't run away. Don't turn away the moment there's a no. My favor rests upon you. My favor is there for you, but you've got to press in and ask for it. Jesus says, ask and keep on asking. <laughs> Come on. Doesn't he say that? He says, ask and keep on asking. In other words, he's saying it's not going to be yes the first time every time. It's not going to be yes the first time, every time. Sometimes it is yes the first time. But Jesus wouldn't say, ask and keep on asking. If he didn't imply that sometimes he needs you to keep on asking. Sometimes he needs you to press into the favor. Don't let one no become the seed of resentment in your life. Don't let one no answer become the root of bitterness. But ask and keep on asking. That's a good word. spoke last week about your sphere of influence. And I asked the, the question, what do you see? What do you see? Do you see what God has planned for you? Do you see what God wants to do with you? Do you see what God wants to do with your business? Do you see what God wants to do through your family? Are you holding on to that? Are you pressing into exactly what God has called you to? Are you asking 
and knocking and pressing in for it. You see, to be able to hear, you first need to be able to see. To be able to hear, you first need to be able to see. You need to be able to see what God has, what God has purposed for you, for us, as a church, as a community, as a body. I want to emphasize again, the area we live in is not just the lower or middle class income area, but this is an area of influence. This is an area of authority. This is an area where God's kingdom reigns. Come on, and we as a community have to be saying, God, what do you see for us? What do you see for this community? I don't want to go to school and, and sit next to parents who talk about those people in the East. Come on, we've got some people in the East in the house. From the East in the house. <laughs> but it's such a mindset. And it might be a joke, but it's not funny. Because what you're tapping into is the root of resentment, the root of bitterness. God has great plans for this community. God has great plans for this valley. And God wants us to see the favor that is poured out upon us, the favor that rests here in this church, in this community, and in our city, and in our nation. Let's not become a nation that grumbles at the bottom of Africa. If only we can be like the rest of the world. Come on. Let us see God's favor that rests upon us. And I want to just proclaim over our nation that we will no longer be a nation of resentment. A nation that harbors resentment because of the past and because of what's taken place. But we will see what God has called us to. And we'll see who God has called us to be. But we will walk away from the root of bitterness. The seed of resentment. And we will walk into everlasting life. Full life. Rich life. Because of God's... Come on, someone say amen in this house. We're no longer this or that in South Africa. We are kingdom-minded people who carry the presence of God in our nation. And there's a new identity that rests upon us. There's a new identity that God gives us. But to step into that, you have to shut the door to resentment for the smallest reason, even in your family. God can't use broken people to heal a broken nation. He needs to use whole and full people to bring our nation to a place of fullness, to a place of wholeness a place of responsibility, a place that recognizes God's favor resting upon it. You don't have to walk far to see God's favor in our nation. It is all over. Not all over as in, in like everywhere. <laughs> Going to preach short today. <laughs> In this week, we, we shared it on Wednesday night, but we went to a funeral in the week, and we sang the blessing. And I just want to 
Just repeat the words of the, the blessing, the chorus again of the blessing. Because as we stood there and sang it, it was all cloudy. And you know it's a funeral. Everyone is not singing at their best. And as we sang the words, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. The clouds broke and the sun came through. And I noticed it, and my mom noticed it, and afterwards she, she was like, did you see that? And I saw it, yes. I said, yes, I saw it. I experienced it. As we prophesied, make his face. What's the word? As we prophesied, make his face shine upon you. Beautiful, powerful. And we realized God is speaking that over us. The Lord bless you and keep you. It's, it's his favor. When, when he says make his face, it's, it's may his favor shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Just say that with me, God. <laughs> Will you turn your face towards us and give us peace? Amen, amen. Psalm 34, you can go in your, in your Bible. I have to, as Bill Johnson says, share one scripture verse to make it legal. Psalm 34, verse 4, and I'm going to read it. In the Passion Translation, David writes, he says, Listen to my testimony. I cried to God in my distress, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Gaze upon him. Join your life with his, and joy will come. And then David says, Your faces will glisten with glory. When Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone with glory. So when God's favor shines upon us, our faces must reflect that God's favor is shining upon us. I want you to turn to the person next to you and show, you the, show them the best face that you can show them while God's favor shines upon you. Come on, three, two, one, and glory. <laughs> okay, I see someone hiding behind a book there. <laughs> this is not David sitting in his throne room with his feet up on a sofa, writing in his journal with a cup of filter coffee on the best morning. This is David fleeing from Abimelech. And to get away from him, he had to pretend that he was a madman. And so he scratched on the doors and he drooled from his face. And Abimelech said, get this madman out of here. And David runs out. He says, God, I cried in distress. 
because he was in distress. If you're in distress, it doesn't mean God's favor is not shining upon you. Don't use distress as an excuse to walk away from the favor of God. David was in distress. He cried out in distress. And God freed him from his fears. God gazed upon him and he joined his life to God and joy came. Your faces will glisten with glory. You will never wear that shame face again. Turn to the person next to you. Say, I will never wear that shame face again. Some of you in this room need to do it again. <laughs> look, your, look your husband or wife in the eyes and make a promise. Say, I will never wear that shame face again. Rodney R. Brown always joked, he said, some people have such a big shame face they eat oats from the exhaust of a car without having to bend down. <laughs> Don't use your shame face to punish someone around you. Because you step away from the glory of God. You step away from the favor of God. But rather press into the favor as soon as you can. Say, God, I am in distress. It's okay. Husband and wife, turn to each other, say, you know what I mean, not now, but, but when, when there's distress, say, we are in distress, but we're going to press into the favor of God. We are dis in distress, but we're going to connect in His presence. We are in distress, but we're not going to walk away from the favor of God. Of God. I cried out to the Lord and he heard me bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it the most. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Hold hands of the person next to you, even if you don't know them. We're just going to pray. Join up as a body. Father, we thank you for your favor that rests upon us. We thank you for your love that is so freely poured out. And Lord, as we hold the hand of the person next to us, we make a commitment to not walk away from your favor. But because of this body, because of our families, in unity, we will press in to your favor. We will ask for it, and we will keep on asking. And we will never, ever turn away from your face that shines upon us. Lord, if your face shines upon us, then my face will look up to you. Then our faces will shine with your glory, because your favor rests upon us. 
We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have an awesome Sunday. Give the person next to you a hug if you feel comfortable. And then you, we're going to have some coffee after the service. And, um... Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.